Welcome to the official podcast of the Love Times 2 Project. Change the culture and the politics will follow. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. There's so much going on in the world right now that it's enough to just make your head swim. And it's going to give us a lot to talk about in the months ahead. Think about it. We have a war in Ukraine. We have huge economic issues. We have a Supreme Court ruling coming out of Mississippi soon that could dramatically alter the abortion landscape and the tone of the cultural war over abortion in the United States as well. This is all just scratching the surface. Now, you may be wondering why I would even go there about a war in Ukraine and the American economy. Do they really impact the mission of the Love Times 2 project? Well, actually, they do. I mean, take the war in Ukraine. Recently, I had the privilege to speak with the CEO of a ministry called Mission to Ukraine. What I learned was a lot about how women and babies are being impacted in what is a true humanitarian crisis. And I hope to have him on the podcast soon because I think you'd find it really interesting. Uh, and it really is heartbreaking stuff. But it is a reminder that the mission of loving moms and babies no matter what is not contained within American borders. And actually, the situation with moms and babies in in Ukraine dovetails to an extent with challenges presented by the skyrocketing inflation rates in the American economy, at least in a sense. Seems that Ukraine has one of the highest abortion rates in Eastern Europe, and much of that is driven by economic pressure. So I think it's completely legit to start thinking about and talking through how things like rising home prices, rising food prices, rising gasoline prices, rising prices across the board will be ramping up pressure for some women to consider an abortion. That's a huge Huge topic that we're going to want to discuss in more detail. But for now, it's important for us to revisit a cultural indicator that should be causing us some really deep concern. At least I think it should be. Over the course of the podcast, Time on the Air, I think that we visited the issue of falling church attendance multiple times. And that's because it really is a big deal. It is. Uh, when church attendance falls, it's a safe expectation that the church's general influence on the culture is falling too. Now, this is a really tricky statement, and I want to make sure that I'm not being misunderstood here. The church in its eternal purpose as the body of Christ is still serving as the body of Christ. Jesus was very clear about this in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. He said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we're not talking about the world defeating the church. What we're talking about is a general influence of the church on the world and how it is being diminished. And I hope that makes sense. So for example, when fewer people are familiar with biblical truth, the general impact of this, maybe we could say it this way, the salt and light is lessened on the culture. Hey, we all get it that not everyone who walks through the door of a church is an actual follower of Christ. Um, we know that. But whether you know Christ or not, you're still going to hear biblical truth being taught If you happen to wander into a church service, or at least in a service that still teaches biblical truth, just because it's a church doesn't necessarily mean it's teaching biblical truth. That's a sad observation. It's true. It's a topic for another day as well. But how sad is it that we even have to make that as a qualifier? But again, if you are attending a church and you're hearing 
a biblical message of truth, at minimum, you are going to be exposed to perhaps some concepts and ideas that you're probably not going to get anywhere else. That's why it's very concerning that such an exposure to biblical teaching by Americans just appears to be continuing to plunge. Now, just as a footnote to all of this, recently I read a blog that has now suggested that we expand the categories of religious participation, or I guess actually non-religious participation, if you want to put it that way, and now expanded to uh, be not only the nuns, and that's always N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. Always have to clarify that. Um, but it, it's not only the nuns now, but it's also the duns, the D-O-N-E-S. Not sure I get all that, but apparently um, what this person was trying to say is that the duns are done with religion, as opposed to the nuns who have no religious affiliation, but they haven't necessarily checked out. The duns have checked out. Now, this leads us to the latest research by the Pew Research Center. According to the Research Center and its report issued earlier this year, about 3 in 10 adults in the U.S. are now religiously unaffiliated. This percentage is 10 points higher than it was a decade ago and 6 points higher than it was just 5 years ago. As the Pew Research Center notes, quote, the secular rising shifts evident in American society so far in the 21st century show no signs of slowing. Okay, that should cause us some concern. Self-identified Christians, now admittedly a very broad category, so we have to take it for what it is, self-identified Christians still outnumber the unaffiliated by a margin of two to one. That sounds pretty large taken by itself, but back when this was first being researched in 2007, that number was five to one. So two to one now, five to one in 2007. What are we to make of all that? I mean, honestly, it could mean a lot of different things. It's open to speculation. could just mean that the cultural norm of wearing a Christian label has diminished. Whether a person was ever a true believer or not, there may have been more pressure to self-identify as a Christian or to attend church or to be seen as religious or whatever, however, however we want to look at it. There may have been more pressure to identify in 2007, to self-identify in 07 versus 2022. Personally, I think this has more to do with the decline than anything else. Now, you may have some other thoughts on that, and it's something that uh, it's really worth thinking through. But again, we have to be really careful and how we interpret this. So we're not somehow um, being sucked in to believe that God's unable to compete with secularism, and, and maybe to put it another way, that secularism is winning out over God, and God is just wringing his hands trying to figure out how to market himself better. That's not it at all. I mean, maybe when you boil it all down, what this really means is that a lot of folks who used to play church just aren't playing church anymore. So just park that in your thinking right now. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the research. According to the research, self-identified Christians make up 63% of the U.S. population. By comparison, that number is down 75%, wow, from just 10 years ago. During that same time frame, those who claim no religious affiliation have gone from 16% to 29%. It's also very interesting that those who fall in the other religion category have basically held steady. They've gone from 5% up to 6%. So the trend is certainly happening between the religious versus the non-religious, not in the other religion category. Now, here's another finding. Fewer than half of U.S. adults, 43%, say they pray on a daily basis compared to 58% who said they did in 2007. 32% say they seldom pray. That's up from 18% in 2007. Totally understandable number if the trend from religious to non-religious is accurate. Although the old saying that's out there that there are no atheists in foxholes probably still holds true. Now, overall, 4 in 10 adults 
in the U.S. say religion is very important compared to 56% who agreed to that in 2007. Again, understandable number in an increasingly secularized world. Probably important to note here is that while atheism and agnosticism are included in the non-religious cycle, um, the really big shift that's occurring is not within those categories of atheism and agnosticism. They're happening in just the completely religiously unaffiliated, a broader category. Okay, there's a lot more to look at here, so I'm just going to post this as a blog on our website at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, the number 2.org. You can check it out yourself, and there will be a link uh, to this report, and you can go through it thoroughly, see what you think. As I'm looking at all of this, the big question that I have is this. Why does it even matter? I mean, seriously, why are we even talking about this? How does it even relate to a mission of the Love Times 2 project to make the world a better place for moms and babies, and that includes unborn babies. Why do we keep revisiting this? It's probably the fourth time we've talked about this on the podcast. Here's the bottom line. I really think this is where it all comes into play. The built-in, hardwired value of every human life from the very moment that fertilization occurs is rooted in biblical truth that we are all created in the image of God. Every single one of us, regardless of what you look like, regardless of where you live, regardless of your economic situation, regardless of your age or stage of development, every human life is created in the image of God. This is exactly what makes us all valuable beyond measure. We're more valuable than trees. We're more valuable than animals as much as we love our pets. We're more valuable than fill in the blank. Now, it does not mean that we should abuse our environment. It does not mean that we should neglect and abuse animals. It doesn't mean that we should not be good stewards over God's creation. We should be good stewards. What it does mean is this. We have enormous value built in because we are created by God. I will admit up front that I don't think there's any doubt that you can still value and appreciate life and not consider yourself a religious person. But I think the question needs to be asked, what is your value based on at that point? Probably based on a feeling or a sense of belonging, maybe even a sense of community well-being. And by that, I mean, even if you are a non-religious person, you can see the value of not abusing kids or giving people compassionate care and so forth. We could come up with a lot of examples like this. But I want to circle back to this again. Without a bedrock truth that applies across the board, a non-truth value can always supersede whatever value that you apply. In other words, someone who holds to a different value or a non-truth-based value can say human life has no value. It's completely without value. At that point, whose belief wins? I mean, as in whose personal belief wins? Because in a situation like this, there's no basis of truth except for personal belief. And if there is no truth basis, then we're all operating with this gigantic sliding scale of values. And that's where our world ends up with huge issues. The more that we reject the truth that everyone deserves a chance to be born because everyone is made in the image of God, the greater the risk that our culture will accept any or all attacks on the value of life, including abortion, infanticide, abuse, trafficking, euthanasia, racism, all the other attacks on the dignity of life created in the image of God. Follow me on this. If the church attendance continues to fall and fewer and fewer Americans are aware of, at least in a church setting, that every human life has been created in the image of God, here's the question. Where will Americans learn this great truth? Are they going to learn it in school, at home, in the university, in the workplace? On what basis will Americans either value or devalue human life. Here's where it all comes really down to you and me. 
it is imperative that we are salt and light in our culture for the value of human life. If it's true that church attendance is falling and the general influence, again, general influence of Christian truth on our culture is diminishing, we can't just act like it's somehow the fault of the churches or the fault of the pastors or it's someone else's fault when actually... It's all of our responsibility to share truth in love with compassion. We want the easy answers in a tech-driven world. We are to share the good news to a hurting world that, yes, we all matter to God. And this is exactly why the Love Times 2 project was launched. Hey, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope the wheels in your head are spinning right now, and I'm glad that you listened in today. I hope that you're subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform because we're just about everywhere you can find a podcast now. So be on the lookout for some new branding coming your way for the Love Times 2 project. I think you're really going to like it. Um, I've seen it. And it's exciting. So it's coming your way really, really soon. If you are able to make a gift, I encourage you to do that because we have a lot of work that we have to do and the need is is rising. So please consider a financial gift. You can make that at lovetimes2.org. Uh, if you have comments or suggested topics for the podcast, send a message to podcast at lovetimes2.org. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. Never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of the Love Times 2 Project. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow.